Thank you guys for leading us today. And if you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 or get there on your device, however you access God's Word. And if you're not familiar with looking up Bible passages, they'll actually be on the screen uh, behind me as well, so you can uh, access them that way. Well, we are finishing up a series that we uh, began actually on Easter Sunday, which seems like a long time ago, uh, called Upright View, where we've been talking about how do we walk through this life Uh, Not kind of downtrodden and just kind of getting through another day and seeing what's going to happen today and see what I'm going to do when I face it. Actually walking through life with an upright view of who God is, what God wants us to accomplish, and to try to actually move through life with purpose and meaning. Not just to exist through a day, but to accomplish through a day. I I don't know about you, but it is very easy uh, to just kind of coast through a day sometimes. I mean, you know what's coming. You know what time you have to get up. You know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're going to eat for breakfast. You think you know what you're going to wear for work. You get out. You think you know when the train's coming. And just you just go, and it happens. And it's just a good day if nothing bad happens, right? I mean, that's how we kind of come home sometimes. We have, we have this calendar at our house, and we just, you know, at the end of the day, we mark off that day. And, like, it's a good day if we just mark it off, and we made it through it sometimes, right? But God has so much more in mind for us than just marking another day on a calendar. He wants us to walk through life with this view toward heaven, but our hands and our hearts toward this earth and those people that we interact with on a daily basis. This was made very clear to me while we were actually on vacation. I thought, I I went into vacation thinking, you know what, I'm going to take a couple weeks off from pastoring. Like, I just want to I want to fade into the background a little bit. I just want to enjoy time with me and Katie. And as God would have it, we part of our trip, we were on a, a cruise around the Mediterranean. And as God would have it, for, as we step on the boat, we just all of a sudden get into relationship with these four other people. Like, we just happen to sit down beside them in this lounge. And all of a sudden, we're talking and we're friends with them. Within, within about another 10 minutes, this other couple comes in, and now, like, there are eight of us hanging out together. And it was amazing because I'm thinking, all right, I'm, you know, everybody's going around and telling what we're doing and stuff like that. And I'm like, what do I say? You know, I was like, I don't want to be pastor this week and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I work with a ch- I'm a leader of a church, and I try not to use the word pastor. Like, I'm a leader in a church in New York City. And anyway, we got to talking, and here's what I learned very quickly. You don't take a vacation for being a pastor. You don't take a vacation for being a Christian. When it's who you are and it's what you are, it's not something that you really want to step away from and step out of. It was amazing. As we as we continued on this cruise, about the third night, there were the four of us guys that were connected. We're sitting out around the pool around a table. It was just the four of us. And it literally turned into a men's small group sitting around this pool. I mean, we were each talking about our view of God and how we've connected with God. One was struggling to understand who God is and how he interacted in his life. And it was just amazing, this idea that God was allowing his word and his truth, even on vacation, to step forward. And that's what we're going to kind of look at today as we close out this series is how do we take what we've learned? If you go back to the beginning of the series, we got this perspective of what it's like to have hope and holiness in our life. And and what is it that we're actually trying to do? It's not that we're trying to act better, but God is making us better. And then we move from hope and holiness to how do we honor one another? How do we engage interactively with one another and know that you are a creation of God and you have value just as much as I do? And then we took that and learned about submitting to one another. 
And we can only do that when we have a right view of God and a right view of man. And then and then the last two weeks we looked at suffering and how we use suffering in light of who we are before God. And then last week, Michael talked about stewards of God's grace. How do we actually live this out and not hold on to it? But it's something that we share with other people. And what we're going to close out with today is this idea of now that we've been on this journey and we see these steps that we have to take. How do we actually go back to the beginning and lead other people along the same path? Peter ends with this challenge and this call for us to be leaders. And so today we're going to have this upright view of leadership. How do we take people that have been in a same place we were and how do we now help guide them along the path to where God has led us? You see, the, the Christian walk, the Christian life, and really life in general, is not just about how far you can get, how fast you can get ahead of everybody else. It's as you take a step, it's helping those behind you take a step. And as you need to take a step, it's about reaching out to those ahead of you and letting them help you in that regard. And so today I want us to focus this teaching time on understanding how Peter challenges you and I to have this right view of leadership. Look at First Peter chapter 5. Verse one, and this is where we'll jump in. It says this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now, we'll stop right there. And you're like, OK, I hear this first. And the first thing you might think is elder. I'm not an elder. All right. So I don't have to listen to the next part of this. Like I, I, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not a leader in the church. I haven't been elected to some special office. I show up on Sundays. I listen. I learn. I try to live out God's truth. I'm not a spiritual leader. I never have been. I probably never will be. And maybe what you're thinking, you know, and in many churches, that may be true. Many times leadership is defined by position or election or seniority. But that isn't how we feel like the Bible teaches us to operate as a church. We don't elect leaders. Instead, we aren't limiting those in leadership. We believe that leadership is everyone's calling. And that's what he lays out here. The word elders here and the concept of elders is not just a certain group of people that lead everyone else. Instead, what Peter is saying is this. It is those of you that are more experienced than others. Those of you who have already been taught. Those of you who are trying to live this faith out. You're an elder. You're a little farther ahead. And while you may be a step behind some, you are a step ahead of others. And you have the responsibility to lead as you have been led. And the word, one of the words I want us to focus on this morning is this idea of the Christian life is all about collaboration. It's all about, it's not a race. It's not me beating someone else in this Christian life. It's us as a team. As I get a step ahead, I'm helping those behind. As I need help forward, I'm leaning to those ahead. So the first thing I want you to understand this morning is this. Everyone is a leader. Everyone. Everyone's a leader. This is, we, we believe this with all that we, this is what the scripture teaches. Now, there are those of us who have the gift of leadership and maybe have more experience to lead, but they are not the only ones that get to lead or that are called to lead. We often view leadership as this exclusive club that have to be invited to join. Like you're waiting maybe to be kidnapped in the middle of the night and taking this room with candles and wax and, you know, chains hanging from the ceiling and you're going through this orientation to be special leader in this special club. That's not how leadership happens in the body of Christ. When you become a member of the body of Christ, you're a leader. Maybe leadership isn't something that we are all naturally gravitate toward. 
and we think we, we aren't qualified or we don't have the skills for anything to offer, that don't buy in to these myths. There's some myths that we believe about leadership, and here's a, here's a few of them. One is this. We believe only certain people have the ability to be leaders, and that's just not true. It says in Scripture, God has given every believer a gift. And the gift that you have been given, that's where you're designed to be a leader. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. Maybe you have the gift of evangelism. Maybe you have the gift of exhortation or uh, of the gift of leadership, the gift of hospitality. All these different gifts that are listed in different parts of the Scripture. God has given each of us a gift. And where you are gifted is where you get to lead. God gave you a gift, not to just use that gift, but to teach others how to do that. So it's not only certain people that have the ability to lead. We're all called to lead. The, the second myth that we buy into is this, is that my past failures or my current limitations will keep me from being a leader. Well, you don't know what I did in the past. You don't know, you know what, what I'm dealing with right now. The truth is this. God can use anyone at any time. Anyone at any time. God often chooses to use the weak and the broken. Our previous failures actually help to shape us for future leadership. Your failures don't limit you. They actually incur- they actually empower you. As you look back and you learn from a failure, that means you're a step ahead now and you have the ability to help somebody miss that, to step past that. And the Bible teaches that as well. The third myth that we buy into is this. I've got to have everything figured out and know all the answers before I can lead. If that was the truth, nobody would be a leader. If you think you got to have every answer and everything figured out before you can actually lead somebody, that's a myth. Because here's the deal. As a leader, you are not the source of truth. God is the source of all truth. And as I fall and I lean back into God, I allow his wisdom, his truth to flow through my life. It's not me leading, it's God leading through me. So don't buy that myth that i got to have everything figured out. So if we're all leaders, then what is it that we're to do? You know, even if I can get past these myths and feeling of inadequacy, I still maybe don't want to, to do. I've never led anything in my life. Does anyone actually really have leadership figured out? I mean, there are thousands of books written every year on leadership. And you can go to Barnes & Noble, you can go to Amazon online and just search leadership, and you can spend your entire savings on leadership books. And you can try to learn to be a leader. You can pay thousands of dollars to go to conferences to learn about leadership and how to be a better leader and learn from this leader about how to lead. There is so much that is just overwhelming. But here, Peter boils leadership down to its simplest form, and he challenges us to embrace it from a very biblical, basic level. So look at 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4, and we're going to begin to see what the role of a leader is. It says, here's what a leader does. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive unfading crown of glory. He here lays out a number of things of what the role of a leader is. He boils leadership down to one simple principle and role. He says, shepherd the flock. And that doesn't mean we need to all quit our jobs and become shepherds, find some field where sheep are grazing and go, you know, wear a bathrobe and carry a stick. You know, that's not what the calling is here. The the word that that is best described is this, to feed or nurture. It means that our job as a follower of Christ is simply this, as a leader, is to help others grow. 
That's our job. That's what a shepherd does. He helps others grow. When you, when you think about your job as a leader, don't worry about all these thousands of leadership principles. They're, they're not bad. You can use those. But what is the job? Help others grow. That's what we're called to do. It's a simple job. You simply have to be willing to extend a hand, give direction, be an encouragement. You are the leader they need. Not a book on leadership, not a seminar on leadership. God has called you to lead and to help others grow. He gives us some very specific things that we have to have here to do that. Verse 2, it says this, shepherd the flock of God. And he says this, exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Here's the first thing leaders have to have. Leaders have to have a willing heart, a willing heart. Leadership isn't a task that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. Encouraging and exercising oversight of the those and taking their next spiritual step isn't grunt work. Is it something that we should have to be forced to do? It is a privilege. It's an honor and a joy and a calling of God. Many times we think about leading others and we think about the challenges, right? They won't listen to me. They're not, they keep messing up. They're not keeping up. They just don't get it. We think about the challenges of leading people. We forget what it was like to be where they were a step behind. And we see this step and we see we've already conquered it. And it looks so easy now. And they're still standing on this side of it wanting to take the step and they don't see the solution. And it's our job to help them grow. It's one of those things. Once we solve a problem, it's so easy to look back and see how we solved it. But on the other side, it's still very difficult to see how to solve it. Do you guys remember those peg games, the little triangle with like the 10 little pegs and you dump them? Like my grandmother had one of those in her house growing up and she she knew how to do it. Like she could do it every time and leave one peg left. Like I was the one who would jump and be like, you're an idiot. That's what I would say. That was like, you leave five, you're an idiot, you know? And uh, so I watched her, I don't know, probably a probably hundred times growing up until like, if you put one of those in front of me now, I can solve it. I can do it. And I'll watch somebody and I'm like, no, no, no. Like that's, so, what do you do? You're an idiot. Stop, don't do that. And, uh, but they're like, I, they just can't see it. When you've seen the solution, it's not our job to hold the solution to ourselves. It's our job to share it and help people take that step. But that's a willing heart. Leading takes a willing heart. If I'm doing it out of compulsion, I'm going to get frustrated. But when I willingly lead, I then come alongside and encourage and help people grow. Look at verse second part of verse 2 there. It says this. So not only shepherd the flock of God among you, but he says, do it not for shameful gain but eagerly. The second thing leaders have is a sacrificial heart. One of, one of the traps of leadership is to think leading leaders are more important than those that they are leading. And it's just not true. Leaders aren't any more important than those that they are leading. This is an easy trap to fall into. While leaders have an important role to play, it doesn't make them more important than anyone else. This is why Peter tells us here not to lead for shameful gain. The goal isn't to make ourselves look better but is to help everyone be better. A leader is eager to help and elevate others, and this comes in the form of sacrifice. A leader will have to sacrifice time, energy, effort, money, personal desires to lead others, and this isn't a bad thing. We look at that list and go, oh, I'm going to have to give up this, 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 and this. Can we stop and think about it, stop thinking about it as ours, and, stop, and instead start thinking about it as resources God has given us to use on other people? See, one of the biggest traps is we think, oh, look at me, I'm so blessed. 
look at all God has given me. Look at what, what must I be doing right to receive these blessings. And instead, God may be blessing you so you can immediately turn around and sacrifice it and share it with others to help them get to where you are. This is, again, collaboration. It's not competition. The fact that I'm a step ahead of others isn't an advantage for me. It's actually an advantage for those that are behind me because I can then help them. The worst spot I can be in sometimes is at the very front with nobody ahead of me. And I don't see which way to go, and I don't know where to step next. The advantage I have by being ahead of others is that I can help them. It's not my advantage. It's their advantage. Look at verse 3. It says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. He says, Do it not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. The last thing a leader has is a compassionate heart. A willing, sacrificial, and a compassionate heart. The final instruction that Peter gives us to leaders is remember that we have compassion to those that we are leading. It's very easy to begin to look at people as resources to be used for our own personal gain. Instead, we need to start viewing them as partners in this journey that I will one day have a chance to learn from as well. Those that I've, there's been times in my life that I have led people that they have now become my leader. Maybe not in every area, but in some areas. I think about PJ. There, there are things that PJ can do now as my son that I can't do. He's better. He knows more than me. He has more experience than me. I may be his father. I may be his authority figure. But there are times he leads me. It, it's not a matter of position. Remember, it's a matter of a compassionate heart that we allow those that we are leading to step into leadership as well. Peter tells us that we can either choose to try to dominate and dictate to others or we can demonstrate to them what to do. Just telling someone what to do or demanding what they, that they do something different often has very little lasting impact. You know, we can use fear, guilt, and shame to try to motivate people, but those are the three worst motivating factors that they are. They will not last. If you demean others, you're actually diminishing yourself. Instead, Peter says, be an example, demonstrate truth, show people what to do, then use your words and your deeds to teach. What I love about Peter is he lays out this very clear pathway of what it means to be a leader, but he doesn't stop there. And as he continues to write this passage, he reminds us that as much as we're all leader, he also brings us to another conclusion. Look at 1 Peter 5, 5, and it says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now you'd be like, all right, I'm not the youngest one in here. Like, I'm not the younger one. I'm one of the older. I'm the elder. And just like elder doesn't mean age, younger here doesn't mean just age. It means experience. Those of you who are less experienced, be humble to those that are more experienced. And what Peter reminds us here is, as every one of us is called to be a leader, every one of us is also called to be a follower. You and I are all called to everyone's a follower. I tend to be a natural leader. So I love the previous part of this talk. I love to talk about leadership and leadership lessons. And while it isn't difficult for me to take the lead, it is often very difficult for me to take on the role of a follower. And it is often because I have the wrong view of what a follower actually is. And I, I buy into some of these myths, and maybe you buy into some of these as well. And the first myth is this. If I'm a leader in one area, then I'm a leader in all areas. And that's not true. 
none of us are the ultimate expert. We all have areas to grow in. Maybe you buy into this myth. Being a follower means I have less value or ambition than leaders. And again, that's just not true. Following others shows ambition and adds value to who you are. The ability to follow someone is actually ambition in action. You're moving forward. You're growing. You're learning. If all you do is lead all the time, you're not growing. There's times you have to follow and step and grow in your own faith. The third myth that sometimes we buy into is this. Followers take no initiative, and they like to be bossed around. (laughs) I hate being bossed around. Many of you probably here hate being bossed around. But the truth is this. Followers are constantly doing new things and being stretched. How do we grow? By putting ourselves in new environments. By challenging the way we think. By challenging what we say. And this is what Peter lays out for us here in uh, 1 Peter 5, 6-9. He lays out the role of a follower. Look first at 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. It says this. Humble yourselves, casting all your anxieties on... Uh, sorry. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. So what is the role of the follower? He lays it out here very simply. Humble yourself. And what does that mean? Just as leaders are to help others grow, as a follower, our role is to learn from others. Learn from others. That's our role as a follower. Look, he lays out a few things here for us to remember. He says, first, cast all your anxieties on him. Followers have a trusting spirit. We have this spirit. We have the ability to trust God and trust other people. The first step in humbling ourselves is admitting that we don't have all the answers. It's admitting that my answers aren't always the best answers. And this is the pathway to beginning to learn to trust God and other people. To follow well, I have to be able to trust well. I can't follow God and others unless I'm willing to trust them. And this is a big step. Uh, Trust is a difficult thing sometimes to place in other people. Trust will be broken. Trust, especially when I place in others, there will be times that my trust I place will, will fall flat. That does not mean that we shouldn't try it again, that we shouldn't keep growing. Be willing to trust because when we stop trusting other people and stop moving forward, what happens in our life? We grow stagnant and we stop and we just again begin to exist. So followers have trusting spirits. Look at verse 6 and 8. It says, humble yourselves. Verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Followers next have an attentive spirit. They pay attention. They, they learn to follow it. Learning to follow is to realize that we are people. There are people and there are forces out there that are wanting to keep us from growing. There are people who don't want to see you advance. There are forces out there that would rather see you decline than move forward. And it's very easy to to look back and see people that are behind us to say, please stop. You're making us look bad. Like, come back with us. Come back over. And they'll draw you back in. And that's what he's saying here. We have to be attentive. As followers, we've got to be careful who we follow and why we're following them. There are many times in my life, whether it was in high school, college, even in our adult life, 
sometimes I just find myself following somebody because I like being around them. And, like, that's okay to an extent. I'm not saying you don't hang out with people you you like just because maybe they're not growing. But I have to be careful that I'm not just following somebody and listening to the truth in their life and advice out of their life when they're not growing just because I like being around them. We have to be attentive to who we're following. And then in verse 9, he says this, Humble yourselves, resist him. Talking about Satan. Be firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Followers finally have this persistent spirit. Followers are growing and understand that it is hard work. You're going to be tempted to stop, to think that it isn't worth it. We'll be tempted to look at those that have went before us and feel like they should just give us their spot, that they owe us something. And all they owe us is to step back and to help us to where they are. We can get, we can get upset. We can get discouraged. But God says to persist. The word persist is one of my favorite words and one of my favorite thoughts. One of my favorite movies is uh, Shawshank Redemption. If you've ever seen that movie, I just, I love that movie. If you've never seen it, just turn on TNT and eventually you'll see it at some point. And uh, if you've never seen it, this guy's escaped, like he's in prison, wrongfully in prison. And he has this little bitty uh, chisel that he says he's chiseling chess pieces, but he's really for a year, I don't remember how many years, you know, 20 years, he's tunneling through his wall. He goes through these things, and I have a poster in my office that Chase actually gave me uh, of the Shawshank Redemption. It's a movie poster, and it's it's the axe. It's the little pickaxe going through the wall, and it just reminds me, you know, one day I may break through that wall, but today I may only get two or three crumbs off that wall, two or three small blocks off of that wall, but persistence pays off. Following those that are ahead of you, Allowing yourself to submit and humble yourself is not a fun thing. Humbling yourself to somebody else is not a place that we enjoy being, but it's persistence. And one day we will experience a breakthrough. And we will see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll be at a new place that we could have never been before if we weren't persistent at following. So my question for you today is this. Will you embrace both your role as a leader and as a follower? Will you be a passionate leader that looks back and sees those that are a step behind you and draws them forward? And will you be a persistent follower that looks to those that are ahead of you and reaches out and says, teach me and help me get to where you are? And if we all do this, what happens? We all end up growing because I'm helping someone and someone is helping me and we're all taking a step together and as, a, as we grow in our faith, we're seeing new things and people grow like we would never expect before. Will you embrace the role of leading and following? Reach back. Reach forward. Be passionate and persistent. Let's pray together. God, it is a, God, it's a joy to learn your word. And uh, God, it's a great privilege that you give us truth that we can take into our heart and that we can see change happen in our lives but God that's not where you've called us to allow the truth to stop God you have called us to take the truth you've given us and to pour it into other people so God I pray today that all of us in this room that would call ourselves followers of Christ God we would take 
a moment and ask ourselves, who am I leading? Who am I helping take a step to where I am? Now, whether we're the youngest or the oldest in this room, who is it in my life that I can help get to where I am? And God, would you also allow us to be persistent followers? Would you allow us to take just a moment and ask ourselves, who are we following? Who am I trying to step to where they are? And God, would you help us to live in this beautiful tension of leading and following as we grow in our faith? We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. Chairman.